Welcome to the Helping Hands podcast with me, Gail Louise Turner. On this podcast, I will be chatting to inspirational people and I will be finding out about their life story, their influences and how they give that extra helping hand every day. If you'd like to follow me, please go to my Facebook, which is Gail Louise Turner or on my Instagram, which is Gail GLT. Each episode of the Helping Hands podcast will be having an accompanying Spotify playlist with my guest musical influences. This can be found under Helping Hands podcast playlist on Spotify. Now it's time to sit back and relax and enjoy the show. My guest today is a local man, Tim Lee, who is a musician, songwriter and teacher and I'll be welcoming him on Series 3, Episode three of my helping hands podcast so uh welcoming uh to the helping hands podcast series we have tim lee with us this evening so hi tim how are you hi gail i'm good how are you i'm very very well so just explain to everybody where we actually met because i don't know if everybody knows this story and just um and also that'd be um, a great place to start yeah let's start at the very beginning um yeah, we met as uh, fellow Redshift radio presenters, didn't we? Yes. Um, your your show was definitely one of my favourites. Uh, I listened to it a lot because we share a lot of the same taste in, uh, in musical decades, the 80s and uh, 90s. So we met through that, really. Yeah, I think music is is the key there. So we're obviously going to talk about your life story tonight, your your five Spotify chosen songs and a little bit more about your life story. But I think for me, what I would like um, my fellow listeners to do is to actually listen to to um, what you are about, your life story. And and for me, I think finding about yourself um, via the podcast is really interesting. And I think the listeners will, will find that as well. So where can people actually follow you on social media, Tim? um my uh my life my life story that was uh that's a bit <laughs> a bit daunting i don't think i've really lived much of a life yet but uh um yeah i uh as well as being uh, a teacher with uh, adults with special needs um i'm also a um a bit of a hobbyist songwriter so i write my own music and uh sing and and play all the instruments and things like that and um learning how to produce them and uh, do a bit of home production at the same time so that's kind of uh, what I tend to do most of the time I'm also a, a huge uh, film music tv uh, doctor who nerd <laughs> so yeah that's how I fill my time well well done for that one you you might be able to talk about that a little, a little bit later but um where can people follow you because you said you are a musician and a teacher and songwriter so where can they listen to your work is there several places that they can listen to your work or are you just yeah. primarily on one social media form? Yeah, um, it's uh, I'm I'm on all the major major platforms, uh, mostly as Tim Lee songs. Um, so Lee is L double E, so it's Tim Lee songs, all one word. Um, and you can find me on that um, on that handle on uh, YouTube, Instagram, uh, and places like that. But I'm also on Facebook as Tim Lee songwriter as well. So yeah, all the all the major places. If you just put in Tim Lee songs, you'll find me, no doubt. 
And I think that's really nice being able to go on the the all of the different social medias there. So then I'm going to hand this back to you now. So you have mentioned Doctor Who, so I probably will get onto that just a bit <laughs> later because that, uh, as you know, that's my favorite program as well. So tell me your story, Tim. It's I mean I know a, a little bit about you meeting at you um, at Redshift and that kind of thing, but tell me your story from your point of view. My story, well. Um... I'm quite a shy person, always have been really, and I find that uh, making music is a is a great way to express yourself if you are quite a shy, but a sort of introverted kind of person. Um, I have always wanted to be a teacher um, throughout. I, I come from a family of teachers, really. My mom was a teacher, my dad was a teacher, my sister was a teacher, um, my brother was the only one who had the sense not to be. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've I I kind of got into the um adults with learning difficulties um role by accident really um i wanted to be a, pr a primary school teacher when i was growing up and um i did uh, health and social care at a local college and left my planning for uh, work experience far too late and they said oh why don't you uh, why don't you come and work at the like the special needs department in the in the college so um, out of complete necessity, I said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And uh, I went and helped out in a, in a music class there. And I just remember it was a huge learning curve um, because they would say, th the music teacher would say things to me like, I'd, I'd, take, I'd take along my guitar and they'd say, oh, can you uh, play walking in treacle music? And I just had to think of, <laughs> think of something off the top of my head. Uh, so it was, a, it was a great kind of sink or swim. Uh, feeling and also it really brought out my confidence as well because I found that working with people who um, communicate in different ways you have to keep the, the the conversation going so as a naturally quite shy person that really brought me out of myself and um, yeah I've loved it ever since I've worked in several different colleges I've just got a new job in the last couple of weeks actually working at a special school in Macclesfield and I'm absolutely loving it but very very tired trying to, to learn everything new so if I come across a bit uh, not compass tonight that's why <laughs> that's my excuse. Okay so yes yeah, so I was going to ask you, you you've gone into these schools um, because you, you obviously you weren't quite sure what you wanted to do um, back in early age and, and in fact I don't think anybody does you've gone into these schools to help and you've and you've also gone into the, the, the teaching and the music side but what other things have you done to actually help yourself and others? Because I'm quite interested in that. Obviously, you're choosing your career plan a little bit later, but what have you done um, to help yourself and others? Well, um, I think I'm quite a, a naturally introverted person, and I think I've learned over the years that that's okay. You know, I think you you grow up with this, uh, this feeling that um, to be very loud and full of life is the way forward and that you know that is the the end goal but everybody's different and I think um I mean I love being around people don't get me wrong but um I I think I get my my own sense of calm and um uh from listening to music and having that headspace to um recharge and reconnect with um the world around me through art and through film and through music so that's something that I try to bring to uh, both my music and my um, my job as a teacher is to I don't know kind of uh, instill that uh, in other people hopefully. <laughs> 
do you find that though with um creative people looking um back and looking in that, that they do have that kind of gift that that creative side and, and it, it kind of helps yourself and others do you know what I mean yeah I think it makes you um quite empathetic I think as a musician because you're always um you're always trying to um hear the songs in other people i guess so uh hear the music in other people that you that you're playing with so it makes you a, a kind of natural listener nat natural um empathetic person i think and i think that's helped me across across my life and hopefully helped other people around me as well and i think i think that's so interesting that that you are you are part of that industry and i mean there's so many uh, like social media out there so you, you're saying your youtube videos people um, that they're available to watch and 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 how do people like view that as because obviously you've, you've done your redshift radio which is radio and you've then you've gone on to do your youtube how do people view the two different mediums um i think radio is is actually a really good um medium for for people who who struggle in other ways because it's um Although it's quite a scary thing to when that red light goes on and and you you're talking, it also feels a bit more controlled in a way. In, in that you can um, you can plan your conversation, you can um, decide what you're going to talk about, you can talk on a subject that you uh, that you are interested in. So obviously, I, I'm someone who doesn't necessarily talk a lot unless i'm talking on a subject i know a lot about whereas if you if you get me talking on music or film then you can't shut me up you know so i think radio is good for that because it focuses the conversation and you can you know talk on a particular subject and things like that it's a lot less scary than walking into a crowded room and trying to uh you know <laughs> talk in that way I know, and, and and I don't know if you think this, but it's also, you know, when you go into um, the radio studio and, and, and in fact, you've seen what I've worn now, I've dressed up for the occasion and you feel like you're working as well, don't you? So you always wear a nice outfit. Um, <laughs> yes, and I think that's important because you, you, are, you, are, you are doing a job. So looking back then, so I'm going to take you right back and I want to know who are your influences. So you've talked about your love of films. So, so really I've got sort of... Um, a few questions then so who and what are your influences are they people television films books quotes literature book um, adaptations doctor who actors <laughs> where would you start with that oh it's a tricky one isn't it i've been influenced by so many people over the years but i think i mean i think the the two main uh, songwriters certainly that i've been influenced by um are for two completely different reasons i'd say paul simon um, because he writes about the human condition like no other songwriter I've ever um, heard really he's so good at understanding and uh, what it's like in you know inside all, all your different feelings and things and he's so uh, he's so brutally honest with his songwriting and uh, it makes a lot it's always made a lot of sense to me even when I used to listen to him when I was very young um, and from the polar opposite re um, reasons, I'd say David Bowie because of the the fantasy element and uh, the uh, you know the the science fiction and things like that that he weaves into his music. So those those two would be the the main ones. But also, I think uh, punk had a big effect on me as a teenager because 
I realized that you didn't have to be the most amazing musician to give it a go. I love their kind of anyone can do it ethos um, of bands like the Sex Pistols and the Clash and uh, people like that. So, yeah, a combination of those, I would say, musically, definitely have been huge influences on me. Do you think, and and obviously with your your songwriting, do you, do you get influences of what's going um, around you at the time, the people who've met, the life experiences, and and do you think your your musician um, influence, like for example, David Berry, would have got that sort of inspiration from somewhere? Something would have happened to them. Ah, right, I can write about that now. That that will really really help me. Do you believe that's important as a fellow songwriter? Oh, for sure, definitely. Um, can't be overstated, really. Um, I used to, back back when I was younger and I had the sort of time to sit down and write a song out from beginning to end, that's how I used to do it. But nowadays, I tend to do it in a very jigsaw manner. So um, I'll hear something that someone says or a particular phrase um, that I think is really interesting and I'll write it on my phone. I've got like millions and millions of notes of um, half lyrics and things. And then... I, after a certain amount of time, I'll try and gather all these ideas together into some sort of cohesive uh, lyric and go from there. But yeah, it is often something that, you know, just a, a simple phrase that I hear on telly or that I hear someone say in passing. And I think, oh, that that's really interesting. That would make a good song. So that's happened a lot, I think. So do you produce your music at home then? So, for example, so I know we use um, software to do podcasts and things like that. Do you have your own music studio with all the software or do you go elsewhere? Do you have like a music studio to to um, uh, compose and produce everything? I tend to do it all at home. I mean, I was very, very lucky um, on my second to last album that a good friend of mine, Glenn Sutton, um, who has his own kind of home studio, um, offered to produce it. And he did a fantastic job. But since then, I've been trying to do it uh, from home. Um, certainly during lockdown, I did a lot, lot of um, trying to teach myself how to use different um, digital audio work for, uh, workspaces. They're called doors. Um, there's a there's a free one that I tend to use called Reaper. That's really easy to use. Um, it's multi-tracking thing, and um, I'm trying to learn how to use plugins as well, which are these sort of instruments you can add and play on the keyboard so like drums and strings and um but they're all sampled from real instruments so that when you play them it it sounds really really realistic so i'm enjoying learning about that i'm always learning i've been doing this since i was about 12 13 year old trying to uh work out how to write and play music but uh at 42 years old i'm still very much a beginner and learning every day so I think that's all you can do is keep your mind open to new things Um, but I'm really enjoying learning how to produce at home um, and making mistakes along the way. (laughs) So along with your influences then so do you when you are watching a film or when you're watching a television program or children's program do you think about music do you think about the composers that there so going back to that Doctor Who example so so, for example, in the 80s, you would probably have some um, incidental music by probably Jeffrey mm. Bergen. Um, yep. And then you'd go to um, the modern day, you would have um, Murray Gold. And obviously yeah, with um, jo- Jody's Doctor, I'm just going to look up the name for the, the, the producer now. It's also um, differentiating de- depending on what Doctor Hera, um, era we're in and, and, and the kind of the kind of show. Do you do you actually watch that program and you think, wow where have they got this from i'd love to do this and it kind of do you have a a lot to think and say about that 
Yeah, I would love to um, be able to create soundtracks. That's another thing I've kind of flirted with in the past. Um, I would love to to be like Murray Gold. He's an absolute genius um, with his sort of sweeping orchestral music that he brought to um, Eccleston and Tennant's era and Matt Smith. Um, but yeah, going back all the way to the very beginning, there was sort of real electronic pioneers like Delia Derbyshire, um, who did the original, the original theme and some of that 60s music that they that they created um, with very little resources. It's just incredible. Um, we kind of take it for granted now that we have all sorts of synthesizers and like I say, plugins and home recorded and but they really did create some incredible um, music for the for early Doctor Who by using different electronic um, ideas and splicing tape together and rewinding things and slowing things down and if you just listen to the the original theme it's it still sounds breathtaking now I think even nearly 60 years later so yeah that I would love to get into um, doing more soundtracks and things like that um, maybe in the future <laughs> I know it sounds amazing. I mean, and with such talent, you know, that might be um, a possible industry. But going back now, so how did you actually get into the music industry? What was the inspiration around it? Um, I wouldn't say I was in the music industry, really. Just kind of uh, stumbling through on my own um, interests, really. I think, I think one thing that helps being a teenager getting into it is that kind of stubborn stubbornness you have as a teenager just to just keep on practicing even though you you can't necessarily play and and just keep on going at it until you you know I find it um it must be so much harder for people who take up an instrument like later on in life when you don't have the the time or the inclination or the isolation in when you sort of sat up in your in your room away from everyone sort of learning a new instrument and um but yeah, I think I've just been very lucky to have lots of very talented friends who've let me uh, play on their songs and things and um, just learn through playing live and, you know, recording with different bands in studios and things like that, um, how to how to do it, how to give it a go. Um, and that's what I'd suggest to anyone is just to give it a go. I know a lot of people have taken up playing an instrument since lockdown when they've had more time to you know consider taking up a new hobby and that's great you know I think music is for everyone it's about bringing walls down and like I say um, letting everyone have a go at it it's it's the one thing that's free to everyone is you know whether you sing along to something or you can you know um, tap your desk at work you know you're making music and creating something so I think everyone should give it a go and not be put off by all the lavish uh production values of of uh modern music do your do your friends share the same music um taste as you and do they get involved with what you're doing probably not I'm quite I'm very nerdy with music and I I'm very uh eclectic in my tastes so I um, I love things like David Bowie and, and Paul Simon, like I said, but I also love um, reggae. I love soul music. I'm a big, huge soul fan. Um, uh, ska, uh, punk, prog, everything really. I, I, um, so where, I, I should imagine there's some crossover with uh, some of my friends on uh, 
bands and songs that they like but i just love the the discovery of it i love the search for different music and different songs um i subscribe to a a monthly uh music site a music streaming thing and i try to listen to a different album on the way to work each morning um which uh, really helps me to discover new things as well but i love going backwards and listening to all these hidden classics that i've never heard before that's that's one of my favorite things about music there's always something new to discover I was going to say that. Have you have you found a song that you have found recently that has meaning to your life now that you've never heard before? Oh, crikey! Um, I think one of one of the people I listened to in the last couple of years that I'd never really taken to before was probably Bob Dylan and his album "Blood on the Tracks," um, late seventies album, is one of those again like Paul Simon that's really autobiographical and um honest and has a lot of feeling to it and i really really enjoy that album particularly um the song um which i've totally forgotten the name <laughs> um a, a simple twist of fate is a, is an absolutely beautiful song i'm trying to remember what songs i uh, i sent you actually we could yeah. talk about those maybe yeah um, yeah we, we will do yeah because i forget there's that many <laughs> well yeah i was gonna ask I you, what was i gonna ask you um have you ever met um paul simon obviously no, no. I, what would you say no, to him, i've though? been oh my goodness i've been to see him several times i went to, uh, probably my favorite concert ever was uh, edinburgh castle where he played and um that was just incredible um i saw him at hyde park and i saw him at the men in manchester um but uh no i've never i probably completely seize up to be honest um Every time I've met someone that I admire, so I I met a, a songwriter called Loudon Wainwright, who I absolutely love, um, and I was just completely fangirling all over the place and <laughs> didn't know what to say. Um, and another songwriter I love is called Jonathan Richmond, and I um, I saw him in a in a gig. He was watching another band that was on, and again, just couldn't talk to him. Just went completely blank so it would probably be very underwhelming if i met if i uh if i tried to talk to someone it just wouldn't happen <laughs> but yeah i like i yeah. like the dream of of meeting them <laughs> yeah that's it i mean it's hard to, i suppose it's hard when you do because you're you work in the same industry and um and that's what i believe you it's it's you you kind of in my opinion you're on the same level and it's it you probably say thank you for inspiring me to get yeah. to get into that and just um, because I obviously listen to radio and I and I, you know, and I think they do a really good job. And to me, it's just like a second job. And yeah. I just think it's amazing. So going back to the radio, so I'm gonna find your Spotify songs in just a second, but I just want to go back and hope you remember this because we had such great times and I do miss being yeah, in the studio. I really miss yeah. Redshift. So talk to me around how you got into Redshift Radio. Um and I, I know that you used to present a show on Redshift and you filmed some YouTube videos, but just tell me a story around this. Yeah, um, I think, again, another another great thing about getting into music or radio or anything like that is just having people give you a chance. And often that is the best way into these things. And I was very, very lucky that um, a good friend of ours, uh, Liz Parkin, who is the uh, who's the head of, of Redshift, gave me a chance when I think I was really drunk one night and I, I uh, <laughs> sent her a message saying, oh, I could come and do a, 
you know, when you have that sort of drunken confidence, I could come and do a radio show. And she actually got back to me and said, yeah, sure. Come and have it. Come and give it a go. I'd never done anything like that before. Um, but she gave me a chance and I'm really glad that she did really, you know, really grateful because I absolutely loved it. Um, my old show used to be, it was called the doorstep mixtape and, uh, it was a bit of a mix. The first half would be lots of amazing songs that I wanted to bring to people that aren't played on the radio very often. So across the decades from the sort of 1950s through to the 2000s. And then in the second hour, I would play, I would have a, a special guest, a local musician in um, to play some live music and talk about what it was like to write songs. Um, and yeah, I did it for, I think, a couple of years, two, two or three years. Absolutely loved it. I met so many inspirational people. Um, I was so lucky to have so many talented local musicians in to, to sing and to talk about their music. Um, when I first moved to Nantwich, I'd, um, where I am now, uh, I thought, because I'd, I'd been going to Manchester to watch music and I thought, oh, no, there'll be no, there'll be no music no gigs to go and see but i could not have been further further from the truth as soon as i looked on i think it's crewgigs.com and saw all the music going on in the local area it's just non-stop it's incredible really we're so lucky around here I, yeah and i think the music the, the local music talent around here is amazing and, and i suppose i don't normally look at that that that, that kind of sector because i obviously still do like my um my 80s and 90s and musical theatre and things like that but I think it's nice to look at the, the the eclectic music taste of of the music industry around um South Cheshire so just going back now to your Spotify playlist I found it for you so so if yeah. anybody wants to listen they can find it on Spotify and if they look for Gail Louise Turner Helping Hands podcast playlist Tim Lee I've got his five songs here now these are the most amazing songs and I can't wait to find out the rationale why he chose them. So um, in you. no particular order, then this is a great one. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to them, uh, talk to you out of order. In fact, so the planets um, up 32.2 Venus, Gustav Holst. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, a healing piece of music. I love the whole planet suite. Um if anyone's really into the music of John Williams, who does, uh, you know, Jurassic Park and Star Wars and uh, all of those, it's very similar to that. It's this really big filmic music before even film was was particularly popular, but um, it goes through all the emotions um, um, based on the, the on the different planets. And Venus is the peace uh, peace bringer, bringer of peace, and. I find that this is a gorgeous piece of music to listen to when you need that um, you need that calm in your life. So that's why I chose that one. Yeah. So from what I remember, it was from the the um, early nineteen uh, hundreds, and obviously yeah. Ve Venus is a such a beautiful piece. And I'm just trying, and, and I would love to know the rationale for Gustav Holst and that because if mm. you, I think I saw somewhere on the BBC Proms at some point, they were, they were, they actually did the concert of that and it was really, really nice. And yeah, um, you always learn in silent, um, science, didn't you? Something about nine planets and um, yeah. it, it's such a great tune. So I'm so glad you've, you've actually chose that. So the next one now, the sound of silence. So I'm not surprised that you've actually chose this. <laughs> yeah. Paul Simon again. And um, it's one of the, it's one of the best descriptions of, um, a person who's kind of living with depression um that i've ever heard and he just 
puts it so beautifully and so relatable as well i absolutely love that piece of music i it's one of the songs i remember most when i went to go and see him at uh, edinburgh castle he played it um just him and uh his sort of electric stratocaster just the two you know just just the two sounds his voice and the guitar and it's possibly the most beautiful piece of music i've ever heard live so yeah i had to go for that one okay so next one i'm a fool to want you why have you chosen this one oh billy holiday um again it's the feeling that she brings to it um billy holiday if you look into her life she had a, a really difficult very like difficult's an understatement she had an incredibly difficult life um and towards the end of her life uh she was she'd had so many problems with um with addictions and things like that and it had totally uh, ravaged her, her voice but on the song on on the album lady in satin and and in particular this song um i'm a fool to want you you can hear all that experience coming through in her voice now nowadays that would be airbrushed out and it would be auto-tuned and all the rest of it um but i think hearing that raw passion and uh, experience in her voice is just like nothing else and um if anyone has ever struggled with mental health issues or addiction or um any of those things then um listen to listen to her voice and listen to what what is being communicated in it um it's absolutely beautiful and harrowing and emotional it's everything <laughs> so do you think she used music to help with her battles do you think obviously she had a, she had so. a hard life yeah and it helped her yeah yeah most definitely yeah she's a truly unique person i wish uh, well i think they have made a, a biopic of, of her life but yeah i wish they would do like a a, a proper film of it because um it's a story that needs telling i think and she really did use like you say use the power of music to um help her um find those moments of healing and things and and was able to bring that to other people as well so yeah very inspirational woman i think that's what i like to hear on this podcast here is inspirational people like yourself i think it's so interesting to hear the stories and i think i think um if we do have the time it's nice to go back and actually look at people's stories and think wow actually i'm going to look into that because it might have some breadth into what's going in our lives and it might help us and just think maybe I mean, I think I've been talking about kitchen sink drama this week and looking at that. And I just think, wow, these people went through some hard times. And I know mm. we've had this COVID pandemic and just it's just astonishing to see the the different people's lives. And I think that's why I like talking to you. So another one. Now, you chose this oh, as a you. live track. So Mac the Knife. So I've heard several versions <laughs> of that. And I always think this is a big band tr track. So why yeah. have you chosen the live version of it? Yeah, it's a funny one, this, because it's actually the song itself isn't one of my favorite songs at all. Um, but the, it's it's the way that she does it. It's Ella Fitzgerald. And what happens is she's singing the song and she completely forgets the lyrics and it all goes to pot. Um, but what she does, I mean, we've all everyone that's played live has had has had moments like that where you just completely lose track of what you're doing. And but what I love about it is how she pulls it back. Um, she turns this potential disaster into something that's far better than it could have been in the first place. Um, she she decides to start making up her own lyrics on the spot, and uh, they are really really funny when you listen to it. It, go, it goes um, the the more the song goes on, the better the made up lyrics go. 
then she decides to do this amazing impression of Louis Armstrong, who's one of her friends, um, the the infamous, the legendary uh, Louis Armstrong. Probably the best impression I've heard, certainly by a female singer of Louis Armstrong's voice. But she manages to turn this potential disaster into something so uh, so fun and life. It kind of makes me. It's life affirming to me because it, it reminds me that however bad things get, you can always turn it around, I think. So when you when I am having a particularly bad day, I will listen to that song. And Alice just reminds me that it's never it's never as bad as it seems. You know, you can always turn it around. So I find that quite life affirming, even though it's a really funny rendition. So it's got to be that live version for me. I think though the fact that she is so famous and so talented to actually forget the lyrics she must have laughed because yeah. she must have sung it that many times and it must have just been oh, you know what we'll just we'll just <laughs> carry on and uh, regardless and that kind of thing so your last track then small hours by john martin why is that this is a fantastic track oh it's just i think that i use this term far too often but it's just sumptuous it's just like it's like getting into a hot bath, this song. It's kind of just the most, it's hard to describe. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, he was someone that was really interesting as well. He combined a lot of different styles. He started off as a bit of a folk guitarist and then sort of dabbled in um, electronic music and psychedelic music and all sorts of things. A very in, um, inspirational guy. Um, but yeah, Small Hours is one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've I've ever heard from a um, a rock um, performer. So I had to choose that one, especially as this uh, podcast is all about um, um, healing and you know looking after yourself and things like that. So it's it's a very it's a beautiful piece of music that I think everyone should hear, and not many people have. So um, yeah, I had to finish on that one. <laughs> That's good. So actually, I'm going to ask you now, talking about helping others, um, are you working on any um, music projects or any other projects at this at, at this moment in time that are making you happy and making you um, uh, enlightened? Because I think we've just had some news on today about the current the COVID situation and hopefully mm. things are looking a little bit better now. But I think through um, COVID, and I always say this, it's gone it's like a World War Three scenario. We don't know what's going on. Do you think now your current projects will work better having this positive news that's going forward about COVID? Do you think it will help you? Um, <laughs> I mean, I've always been a little bit of a one of those, you know, like when you when you write a diary or whatever, you tend to write in it more when you're having a bad day than when you're having a good day because there's there's more to write about whereas when you're having a good day you tend to want to just go off and experience it um i'm a little bit that like that with music i'm very much one of those um woe is me melancholy kind of uh tradition of songwriters so probably having some good times will probably be bad for my music <laughs> you never know but um i think uh Certainly my last album, I did uh, Seven Sunsets, that was all recorded and written during lockdown. And it um, looks at some of the the different feelings about that. Um, so it was very helpful in that regard. Coming out of lockdown, I think there's a lot of anxiety in people. And um, I think that's reflected in some of my, my newer music. But at the moment, I'm actually going backwards and revisiting some songs that I never recorded uh, from years and years ago, like 20 odd years ago. So I'm enjoying doing that. 
and kind of having the time to do that as well, which is another good thing about lockdown. How that will affect me as things start to lessen and restrictions tend uh, start to, I have no idea. So um, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I, I was going to ask, what has your listeners come to you and actually had a conversation with you about anything to do with the song have they ever asked you any questions and and who are your type of listeners and have they changed Ooh, through like it. out covid I, I do wonder i'm not sure you know um i oh that's a very difficult question I, um i'm i'm not sure who my who my listener is or if, if if i've got that many i don't know um hopefully your your amazing podcast will um, encourage more people to go and listen to uh, my music but I think my biggest hope is that by writing music that uh, is so um, from the heart that so other people will listen to it and think, yeah, um, I get that. And I'm that and not feel alone, which is what music's always done for me, especially music by, like I say, people like Paul Simon. When you listen to the lyrics and the music and you think, yeah, I'm not the only person who feels like this. Um, and it, it kind of understands you better than you could, understand yourself sometimes music and if i can do that with one of my songs for someone then i you know i'll i'll die a happy man <laughs> well I, i'm gonna change the subject slightly because i want to talk about your teaching profession um in just yep. a minute but i want to know about your travels so i've been watching all of these programs on sky q about around the world in 80 days because oh yeah basically people um haven't been um sort of like time traveling or going around the world in, in in 80 days because they can't because of covid so mm. i'm hoping you can do that and, and be obviously like michael palin but can you um <laughs> pick any places you've been in the uk since covid that have actually inspired you and and you would recommend i i do wonder where people have, have been since covid yeah it's um i think a lot of people have felt very anxious about going outside i i certainly have and I've not been to as many places as I'd like to. I can share some of my favorite places in the um, sort of local places. I, um, I particularly love, um, there's a place near Congleton called Biddulph Grange that I really like, which is kind of like a national trust place where um, this crazy Victorian guy decided to create the world in his back garden so it's got like it's got like a egyptian area and a chinese area and um a scottish area and all these things so that's that's a really fun place to go if you've not been before um i absolutely love tatton park is one of my favorite places that i used to go as a kid um you know places like that that are, are so so fascinating little morton hall i love as well um but yeah, I'm a big fan of my own town, Nantwich, which is a beautiful market town. Um, but also other towns similar to that, like um, Shrewsbury, I love, Ludlow, places like that. I think the furthest afield I've been is there's a little place that um, we tend to go each year if we can get away, which is Heel Bay in Devon, um, which is a gorgeous little bay um, by the sea that would that's definitely somewhere i'd um i'd recommend but back back in the day when i was young free and single i used to um try and do a, a lot of european city travels so i went to places like um uh barcelona prague um i've been lucky enough to go to hong kong as well a long time ago um 
so yeah I've, I've had a fair few bits of traveling but not for a long time so it would be nice when things start to ease up to be able to go to further afield hopefully how about yourself oh that's a very good question um oh, that's a very very good question i mean i think i'd like to go to some more museums and do some more podcasts but that's oh yeah a, a yeah. bit of a pipe dream um i always think it's nice to to go on holiday and and just just relax and read a book yeah. and listen to music so anywhere really it, i think it'd just be nice just to to get a bit of sun um so maybe we'll we'll see what happens but so i want to talk to you um about you how you are um a teacher so obviously in your role as a musician you are working with people so how does that differ um being a teacher and how did you actually get into the teaching and and how does it work and obviously with your other role as a musician because you're doing the two roles how does it work? Um, there's never enough time really to do music because of my teaching. But um, yeah, I got into it, like I was saying before, by being very lucky to work um, on work experience when I was like 16. And from there, I was, again, very lucky that people kept me on um, to work as a learner mentor. This was back at Mid Cheshire College, which is sadly no more. Um, and from there, I um, went and did my degree and then my teaching, my PGCE. And um, yeah, I've been working for the last 16 years uh, until very recently at a wonderful uh, college in um, in Northwich called uh, Pettipool College, where it's um, adults with um, learning difficulties, teaching them how uh, sort of office skills for the for the workplace. So I was so lucky to work there. Wonderful family feeling there and uh, loved the staff, made so many friends. Um, I'm now working at a school, a special school called Park Lane in Macclesfield. And it's kind of like a specialist communication, um, alternative communication college. So a lot of the students have other ways of, of communicating, such as signing and um, using uh, technology to to communicate and things like that. And it's again like I was saying about music I've been doing this for a long time but I still learning something new every day which is just so exciting to and such an honor to learn so much from people that you work with and um yeah there's so much I still don't know and that I, I'm excited to find out about in teaching um but I think being a musician helps a lot with that and vice versa it does help with your confidence at getting into that zone of um talking to different people um adapting the way that you do things um and you know learning from other people that that all comes in in handy being a musician and being a teacher so there there's a lot of crossover i think but um yeah it's it's been quite a journey and i'm enjoying the next step <laughs> Yeah, so obviously um, you probably won't be able to go into your 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 new job as as much as you want to. But does the technology benefit yourself and the children as well with what they're learning? Because obviously um, the, these um, students are gifted and the and the, they have their mm. superpowers. Does it help benefit? Because I know when when um, I was at school in the nineties, we that was the time when the television was bought in, and we sort of we sort of got the computer games and. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember, um, I'm just trying to think back now, where you used to go on um, a computer, and and I can't remember having the mouse, but you used to go on the keyboard and play the games. And there was one about a castle, 
and and it was so basic but they used to have like noises and things like that and mm-hmm. we all we, we all had to share this compute this one computer yeah so how how does it differ today and and how how do yeah. the children get on with, with with their sort of learning difficulties yeah you'd be amazed actually um they are so much better at these things than i am um i think the generation of sort of kids and young adults now have been brought up with computers from day dot really so they're so used to it they're so used especially like tablets and you know ipads and things like that they're um a lot of um a lot of kids and young adults um are more au fait with that than they are with with other skill with writing skills and things like that so they're they're very lucky in that regard i i uh i'm a little bit older than you and i remember there being one computer in the whole school it was a bbc bbc basic and we used to have um games well we call them games they just had like one picture and a load of text um and you had to make choices those things like granny's garden and stuff like that um, that, that was it granny's garden yeah is that the one granny's garden it oh, might be I, I remember that though uh, yeah it could be that because i remember something around that that's so interesting wow yeah that's good that's one um, of the things i love yeah. about listening to you I, I listen back to a lot of your shows um i i love the nostalgia element um because you talk not just about 80s music but about all the sort of kids programs that were on at the time i've um what's quite nice we've just got uh britbox and it's got so many of those old things that i know you love like um grange hill and um what was the other ones they had on they had so many great they had all the, all the really old soaps and stuff and yeah yeah it's, it's fun to to look back and be nostalgic about <laughs> all these things but yeah going back to your question anyway um yeah technology is is has advanced so much in our in our years hasn't it like you say we had one computer that was very basic and it's gone from that to being such a huge um help to people who might struggle with communication um you've got all these different apps and things that can help people to talk and share their thoughts and communicate engage you know it's just incredible i'm learning about things all the time um i work with a, a young man who who doesn't talk and uses a um a tablet to communicate with symbols and it's just incredible how how technology has come on and how much it's um pulling down walls for people you know it's, it's fantastic yeah, I mean, uh, you were talking about the computer before, and I think um, I've heard of a program called Dragon, where they put the headphone oh, yeah. on the head and they speak, and then the text goes into a computer, and yep. it and it writes like that. But then, obviously, we were talking about in the nineties, they would only have basic, yeah, uh, word word processor, and I think it's um, and you used to have to put um, a CD ROM into the computer. So yeah. I think if you do look at them, BBC, um, for example, the archive, you are learning how things used to be, and and it kind of yeah. um, well, it enlightens me, and I hope it sort of en- enlightens your 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 students as well. So, do you have any success stories? Any success stories? Well, um, oh, not off the top of my. I mean, I I hope that I help a little bit in in student success each day. I think is the cop out answer to that but uh yeah i mean success stories i suppose the success in finding a lot more confidence in in myself over the years i think as you get older you definitely don't worry as much about being different because i feel like i'm a very different kind of person and 
you know, very shy and very uh, withdrawn and different way of looking at the world sometimes. Um, and I think the more I've worked with people with learning difficulties, the more I've realized that we're all a bit different and we all have our own quirks. And um, so I think that's the success that I found is just about accepting myself a bit more um, and hopefully doing, you know, doing that for a few other people um that i've taught as well so that's really interesting you know, do you teach hopefully that's adults? well do you teach adults as well because um yeah that's interesting yeah i mean they're slightly younger the ones i teach now they the the um students i used to teach were between sort of 17 to like 22 or something like that um the students i'm teaching now they're in like a sixth form so they're kind of 16 to 16 to 18 sort of tops i think um so yeah um i've mostly worked with kind of young young people teenagers um who are kind of finding themselves in their own identity so that's that's a fascinating thing to be um that you know privileged to um to work with students who are you know finding their own way and things and uh yeah it's it's an honor i think so um, any, obviously going back to the success stories, is any of your students actually, um, with, with the skills and the, and the technological skills that you've taught, have they gone on to bigger and better things? And have they come back and said, hiya, Tim, thank you so much <laughs> for all your you help. Uh, you, no, you, you don't tend to get that. Um, uh, you don't tend to get that privilege of, um, uh, you know, people coming back and saying, well, you know, so a, a lot of the times the teacher, you don't, you don't always know what effect you're, you're having um you just you just have to hope for the best really but um yeah i've worked with some great people who've um gone on to uh either paid jobs or volunteer roles or whatever and are still still going at it like 10 years later and really enjoying it and stuff so that i'm very lucky to um have had some small part in that but um especially at, at pettypool um there is a like a work-based learning team and they sort of look at all the vocational options that the students have throughout the college and and leaving the college so um yeah they the job that they do is amazing really uh and i i find that the more chances people have um because a lot a lot of people with learning difficulties carry that old stigma you know that people don't always give them the chance that they deserve and i think the more people get out there into the workplace the more those workplaces realize just how invaluable um all those young people are you know so it's about having that chance um which has been even more difficult i think over covid time for people but hopefully it will get back to get back to some sort of normality soon and people can try out different things have different opportunities you know yeah, I, I do feel that people have lost out slightly, obviously, with schools having the restrictions and obviously things been not quite and um, things aren't quite right with obviously what's going on. But my train of thought on this. So do you think people have actually changed throughout COVID and having the conversation, well, two years later and actually and, and do you see that change in people? It's a difficult question, really. I think we'll we'll probably be able to understand it better when we've had some distance uh, distance from it uh, don't you think like mm. i think we're too close to it at the moment to know what what the true level of effect is um it was really nice in the first lockdown that it, it kind of seemed to bring a lot of people together you know you had people um clapping on the doorstep for the nhs and 
um there was a lot more of that kind of community feel um i think as time's gone on it's become more difficult for people i think people are very tired of it now it's been like say nearly two years and i think people are starting to um you know get worn out by it which is um but unfortunately the the, the um, virus itself hasn't gone anywhere so it's it's a really difficult balancing act at the moment as people try to get back some of their freedom but at the same time stay cautious and hopefully the vaccine will be a big help for that um, because obviously we're much more armed towards it now um with everyone with people getting their boosters and things so hope I've, I've got a lot i've got everything crossed but it's a it's still a very um unsure time isn't it at the moment so yes yeah, so i know um where you live now which is quite um an up-and-coming area you've got all your local um amenities there in, in the right place and there is some really really nice bars there and things do you think now um from like next week people will go back to normal or do you think people will ease to go out and obviously get the economy going again do you think people will will will, will go back to Nantwich and, and spend their money and enjoy themselves again or do you think people will hold back just a little bit longer um I hope I hope that people will feel more um confidence to go out. I think we've had a lot of conflicting information so people are still a bit scared I think um I'm hoping as it starts to get a bit warmer maybe and um things start to be back on again and i mean one of the things i love about that which is all the different festivals and things uh, that are on like there's the uh, there's the jazz and blues festival there's the words and music festival there's the food festival there's all these things going on it's quite a vibrant town for such a such a small town um but obviously they've not been on for the last couple of years and I've really missed them. So I'm hoping and praying that those, those come back because I think that will encourage more people to come out and enjoy their, the local, um, the local scene. Um, but yeah, I think people are quite, quite nervous still about it. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what the next few weeks brings. I'm really hopeful that it's going to, people are going to start feeling more confident again. And it'd be nice to see people obviously out and about. And I think, um, like you say, people are still worried a little bit, but it would be nice to just see a, a few smiley faces and and people yeah. talk talking to people again. And I've always said yeah. it's good, it's good to talk and even wave to people that you do know that you haven't seen like in a couple of years. And I think now we've had this situation, you know, people are different. Hopefully, they forget all the bad things and go, you know, hi, how are you? How are you doing? And, yeah. and having that um, that conversation. Have you watched any influential shows? Um, whilst COVID has been on, I know it's two years. Have you watched anything <laughs> recently that you could actually say to me, I'd, I'd recommend that to you. Um, I would, I, I want you to go and watch it because this is, uh, this has had this effect on me. And I think it's been really influential. Is there anything like that you've watched? Oh, crikey. Um, whew, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan as, as you are too. Um, I've been enjoying, I've been enjoying getting into like, films again recently like a lot of um i've been enjoying getting kind of box sets and things and working my way through um and working my way through all the hammer horror films at the moment which i wouldn't say is particularly inspirational but it's a, it's a bit of fun and distraction away from uh, the stresses of covid anyway um i love twin peaks i know you're a fan of that as well um really mind-bending stuff really yeah. like that um i think anything that that makes you think and um 
you know makes you look at the world slightly differently is is good in my book so i i love uh things by directors like stanley kubrick uh alfred hitchcock um people like that you know who have such a vision and such a way of looking at the world that makes you think so i've enjoyed them a lot um so yeah <laughs> that kind of thing i suppose how about yourself well, I'm not going to answer that. What I'm going to ask you is, so your favourite characters and all the three of them. So T- Twin Peaks, favourite character, Doctor Who, favourite Doctor and Master Ooh. and favourite Hitchcock film. Oh, my goodness Can gracious. Can you remember okay. all that? I'll try. I'll try. So what was the first one again? <laughs> oh, I've forgotten. Um, favourite, um, there was the Doctor Who one, wasn't yeah. there? So favourite Doctor. Oh, my goodness. I would probably go... Patrick Trout and the second doctor just because yeah he embodies everything that I love about the doctor he's got because I always think to play the doctor really well you've got to have a little bit of each of the uh, family audience watching it so you've got to have that inquisitical um, child element you've got to have the authoritative sort of grandfatherly paternal side and you've got to have the slightly crazy studenty eccentric side so the people who embody that the most for me are Troughton, uh, definitely Tom Baker. Um, uh, I think Sylvester McCoy was the first one I used to watch. I loved him, but I know he's not very popular. But yeah, I'd go, I'd, I'd go Troughton, I think. But it's a tricky one. It changes from day to day between Troughton, uh, Sylvester McCoy and Tom Baker, probably. Sometimes Hartnell, the first one as well, who I love, absolutely love, doesn't get the love he deserves. Very good. Um, very good. Fa- favorite um, master, master would be the, the first one, Delgado. Yeah. Really good, sinister yeah. portrayal. Sinister. Um, what was the other question? Favorite a Hitchcock film would probably be. It's a toss-up between Vertigo and Rear Window. Both fantastic Jimmy Stewart films that he did with Hitchcock. Absolutely adore those films um but yeah i can't remember the first one you asked me that's the first that's the one i can't remember oh twin peaks twin, twin peaks, peaks character it's gotta Go gotta on. be dale cooper yeah gotta especially, be special agent be. dale cooper definitely but yeah. my favorite my favorite and um to be honest i still haven't i think we've had this conversation before and i still haven't seen them all but i still love um the return because that is my go-to because i've got it on dvd and i've even i think my brother bought me the manual and and it's just so weird it's just mad such a good talking point yeah it's it's really really great and um i do like i do like the pauses and in action that um david lynch puts in because you are waiting for him to talk Mm -hmm. um because he obviously he, he plays a character what characters does he play Oh, he's um. Oh, what's he called? He's he's like the head of the FBI, isn't mm. he? Um. Oh, I should know this. It's his birthday today as well. I should. Oh. I should uh, yeah. So it's t- actually Tom Baker and David Lynch's birthday today. <laughs> so oh my god, there that's go. amazing! Oh, Tom yeah, Baker. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is a that's a that's a perfect day to do the interview then because um as you know um. Uh, Tom Baker played Puddle Glum in um, BBC Chronicles Narnia Silver he Chair. Did. So, so that we've got that as well. But no, um, Hitchcock, because I always wondered, um, because you were talking about Jimmy Stewart there. So, obviously, rear window looking um, out and he hit his leg, didn't he, or something like that. And he was watching all the characters and learning about people. And I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And obviously, Vertigo, I mean, uh, tell me why you like that, really. What, what's, your, what's your sort of go to with, with Vertigo? 
Vertigo is a funny one. It's one of those, a bit like The Return, really, where it improves every time you watch it. So the first time I watched it, I thought it was all right. I didn't think much of it. Um, the more I've watched it, the higher up the, the sort of invisible ladder in my head that it's gone. Um, it's kind of a man that becomes... That Both of them are quite obsessive films, obsessive characters. Um, in Rear Window, he gets really obsessed with um, because he's sat in a wheelchair because he's broken his leg and he gets obsessed with what's going on in the neighborhood and sort of um so that's quite interesting but in vertigo he um he gets obsessed with a particular woman who disappears but then sort of turns up as another person it's 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 quite difficult to to um explain but it's beautifully shot jimmy stewart's character he usually plays he's kind of like the 1950s equivalent of tom hanks he's that kind of everyman actor he's, he's quite like very nice guy characters that he plays so but he plays someone quite s- sort of weird and obsessive in um in vertigo which is really interesting to see him play such a different character um so yeah it, it, that i would say oh i'm gonna go rear window as my favorite but i think it's a very close thing um but definitely both of them are worth uh, checking out i'll lend them to you sometime gail <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, that would be really, really good. I mean, I know at Christmas time, loads of really, really inspirational films and shows come on. And it was really interesting to the point where I've already talked about these these films and these shows in my podcast. And it was it was quite quite severe. I think, my gosh, they're actually on. I can actually reevaluate them now because I know I'm watching Tenko. Um, and yeah. I've just watched um, Doctor Who, The Flux, and that was amazing as well. Yeah, um, yeah, really interesting. Uh, what did you think about um, that that series of The Flux? What what was your 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 main go to point? Um, I've struggled a little bit with Jodie's Doctor just because she's so human. I think sometimes I li- I like the more eccentric versions of the Doctor, like your Matt Smiths and people like that. But um, she's a great Doctor, but she, she's just very human. Like she doesn't have that kind of alien quality. But I do. I did like the um, the arc of the story in Flux. I, I liked the way the whole season was um, based around that. That was pretty cool. Um, the villains were really creepy in it as well. I liked them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I need to rewatch it and uh, give it another give it another go. Yeah, yeah, co- yeah, come back to me on that it. though, because it was really, really good. And um, yeah, I've, I've all—I mean, I—I've always said this about Sunday tea time drama. It's—it's it's the right way to go. And the fact that they moved it from Saturday to Sunday, I actually think it was a really good call because yeah, yeah. people don't—they—they they are looking for that—that—that that, that, that tea tea uh, tea time drama. And I know they've got around the world in eighty days now with with um, uh, David Tennant, of course. But I think yeah. I think the, the they did a really, really good call with that, putting it to the Sunday because I used to watch it. I think primarily um, David Tennant and Matt Smith Doctor when yeah. I used to go out. So it was great then, but you, you find yourself getting ready to watch Doctor Who, so you couldn't sit down. But now it's on a Sunday tea time. You can actually sit there and you think, right, I can I can, I can, can enjoy this. I can um, yeah. self-analyze what's going on. And it, and it is really, really better. So hopefully you'll find another show like that that you can talk yeah. to me um, about next time I see you. So as a final thought then, I'm going to ask you your favourite song of all time and your future plans oh my goodness one that you haven't got uh, on your list oh one that i've not got on my list i don't i doubt i, I, I doubt there'll be what i'm gonna do you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna look on my playlists on apple mm-hmm. um because i think i've got a desert island discs uh 
thing that I put on there. So all my all time favorites. So I'll see if there's any. I'll see if there's any that aren't actually that I haven't said already. But um, ah, uh, yes, the Matt the knife's on there. You see, and things like that. I don't think I can do it. You know, I don't think I can choose just one song as my all time favorite. I don't think I can do it. Could you do it? Yeah, definitely. Go on. What's yours? Well, it's um, talk talk life. What you make it. Because oh, I, I like talk talk, but then this year when I was doing my podcast series, I found the um the song "Living in a Different World" and um "Time Is Time," and them two songs sort sort of um depicted COVID for me and what was going on with everything. And I've never yeah. heard them two songs. It was always "Life Is What You Make of It," and um it was weird how them songs sort of appeared in, in, in um, the, 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 the pandemic. So, so, so I'm going to, you've got a bit of time to have a look now. So I am intrigued. It must be really hard <laughs> for you to find the song. Though. I can't do it. I um, can't do it. I can't just name it. It's like choosing between your children. I just couldn't do it. No, um, no. There's so many songs that I love, but yeah, it'd probably be something by Paul Simon. Um, so like, Oh, I don't know. Only Living Boy in New York is a beautiful song by him. Uh, song for the Asking, uh, Hearts and Bones, all of those songs by Paul Simon. I would I would choose the whole lot, I think. And then <laughs> as a musician, what song would you recommend to your students to listen to for the most inspirational song that you could actually listen to? And then um they and then they could give their feedback on it. What would what would be a, a song that you could actually recommend? So I mean, obviously, we, we would say, oh, I don't know. Um, Sound of Music and um, Climb Every Mountain would probably oh, yeah. be like a really, really good song to recommend to children. What would you say? I would go, like I was saying before, I would go for that version of Map the Knife just because mm. it's impossible not to listen to it, to smile, to, sorry, it's impossible to listen to it and not smile or not feel, um, you know, like things are going to be okay. So I would, I would listen to that. I would get them to listen to that definitely and give them a bit of a laugh. Yeah, laugh is good, and that's I think that's what we need. So I think when you are listening to some of the songs and the audio um, on my podcast, I hope you do laugh because I mean, there's not many people who would would, would invest their time looking for Sesame Street clips that somehow relate to what's going on um, <laughs> throughout COVID and 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 actually understanding people. I think it's 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 really interesting to look for the songs. But as a final thought, then what what are your future plans? I mean, have they changed? What would you like to do? And what are you going to do? I would like to just get more confident in going out and playing live again. Um, I'd like to continue making music, uh, continue discovering new music and um, hopefully start to go back to um, local gigs again. That's my plan for the future. So local gigs then, what do you mean about that? Where about, whereabouts are they based so people can come and see you? Um, all over the shop, really. I mean, I've got, I'm very lucky. There's a pub down the road, the Oddfellows Arms, who have a, a weekly um jam night which is really cool but um i'm hoping like i was saying before about the i hope that some of the music festivals um in the town come back so the um jazz festival the uh, words and music which is more like a singer songwriter kind of thing um i hope those come back and that we can really you know go out and support our local artists lovely and i think that's really nice supporting the the local talent and what's going on around South Cheshire. So, I mean, so you're obviously going to do some some gigs and go to some of the, the, the festivals. I mean, it sounds really nice, the, the Nantwich Food Festival. I think that's going to be on in some September. Okay. Um, so hopefully by, by that time, things would have quietened down a little bit. 
but um, it's, yeah i mean it sounds you've got some really really great plans in the 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 pipeline so um as a final message to the listeners, what would sort of advice would you give to them about what to do in the next stage of COVID really? Because you are an entertainer, you are a teacher, you are a leader. What what would be um, the main advice you'd give to, well, everybody? So children, musicians, actors, general people, retail people, what would be your, your best piece of advice? Uh, I would say it's, that it's okay to be you and don't let anyone tell you that it isn't um go out there give anything a go that be curious about life give things a go don't worry about failing because you will and it's all about learning from your mistakes try new things and just being open to learning um so i would i would say that to them very good advice that is that's that's truly inspirational well, thank you so much for being part of my podcast series um and good luck with your Thanks future endeav- well thank you so much and uh hope to see you in the future and uh, uh maybe we can all get to together with, with redshift or something like that that'd be very very nice yeah. so thank you so much and have a fantastic january and the rest of the year thank you very much and good evening thank you very much gail and take care